Tom Pearson, thank you for uh, joining us. And we've been trying to schedule this for a little time, a little while now. Uh, our schedule's just been crazy between the two of us, but I'm so glad to have you here. And uh, thanks, Brian. Appreciate it. Yeah. So there's so much that I want to ask you about the zoo. I know that my family really appreciates it, and we utilize it regularly. But before we get into the zoo, I mean, there's been a path that you've taken that's probably unconventional that most zoo directors don't take. <laughs> that's so for sure. Your um, your history is in. Uh, I'm going to butcher the word, meteorology. Correct. Um, I think a little over 25 years. Oh, even it. more than that. Um, yeah, probably 30 now. 30 Maybe years. Maybe even a little bit more than that. Well, I'm still a meteorologist, not on TV anymore. Right. This August will be four years that I, I left that. But, uh, yeah, I, I, my first job was in Amarillo, Texas back in 91, I think. Could you imagine back in 91 that you'd be doing what you, you're doing today? Nope. I mean, is that like <laughs> – Complete opposite ends of kind of career paths. Um, one would think, but, yeah. um, you know, I've always liked animals my whole life. I've had every kind of pet imaginable, you know, lizards, snakes, chickens, cats, turtles, frogs. I mean, the, the whole gamut of things. So I've also um, loved trains my entire life. Right. And we were talking a little bit before we started this. <laughs> That um, that's kind of how I got started at the zoo, and I hope I'm not putting the cart before oh, the no, horse no, you're, here. You're, but you're good with that. I, when I moved here in '93, it was sometime a long time after that, actually. But I discovered that the zoo had a train, but it it hadn't run, and at that time, in like, gosh, ten to fifteen years, and I was like, why? I mean, everybody loves a train, so that was my first task to try to get the train running again. So what and made you it took me a while. So why the train out of everything you could invest your time in at the zoo? Um, I think it was fair to say that the uh, train and you didn't even mention it, that some of the tracks have been completely removed. Correct. It wasn't like an, an easy thing to do. No, it it's was like not. <laughs> having to start from absolute scratch to make it happen. So so why? Nearly. Um, <laughs> a, a love of zoo and animals and a love of trains. And I know how much I enjoyed riding trains like the one we have uh, when I was a kid. And a lot of people enjoy it as an adult. And so it turns out that really, in a sense, two generations of kids missed out on on riding that train. So I didn't change really the course or the, the right of way. It's still on the original path that started, I think, back around 1970. But as we just said, there were several sections where the track had been completely removed because it was in the way or they wanted to build something else in its place. Right. And so at the end of the day, it took me two years, pretty much by myself. Occasionally I had some help. Um, I think I replaced well over 1,000 railroad ties and each tie has four spikes. Each spike is hand driven by a two or three pound handheld sledgehammer. So I was kidded if I went to the state fair, you know, where you swing that right. big thing and you win a prize, I would probably bust the bell <laughs> right off the top of that thing. I mean, how in the world would you sit there and map something like that out? So um, I think you'd mentioned you were, um, uh, before we started recording, it was, uh, you were serving on the nonprofit board there at the zoo. Right, the Zoological Society. Yep. And that's how I got 
into it because they agreed, yeah, let's get the train running again because it is a revenue generator, which is good. Sure. Um, and, you know, everybody loves riding the train. Yeah, so, but I mean, just the task itself, you starting on your own with it. This podcast is possible because of your support of our real estate business. If you're looking to buy, sell, or invest in real estate, I'm confident we have the tools and the processes to help you reach your real estate goal. For more information or to reach out to us, check out the podcast description for our contact info. When you made the first step into it. I can even tell you exactly where I started well, and then just went around the whole, whole railroad. But when you, you started looking at that project, you had to realize that it was such a huge project. It wasn't going to get finished overnight. Did you have no. a plan? Did you Didn't know? really have a plan? Just whenever I could get down there, I would. You know, on the coldest winter days, I wouldn't go. The hottest summer days, I wouldn't go. But um, there, I tried to go at least three to four times a week and put anywhere from two to four hours in, uh, using my own tools for the most part, although the zoo allowed me to use their skid, skid steer. Okay. That helped a lot. Yeah, because uh, I, I mean, a lot of different li- things, lifting but, all of that stuff would probably yeah, get... Yeah, it, uh, yeah, so once I got... You know, it, it hadn't run in who knows how many years. There were it, trees growing up in the right-of-way. It, Some places so overgrown with weeds and grass you couldn't even see there was a railroad there. What about the old train? What happened to it? We don't really know. The original train uh, is really obscure. It was actually coal-fired steam engine. Oh, wow. Um, and we believe that it might be at a hobbyist's house somewhere in Arkansas. I've okay. seen pictures on Facebook. And it was being restored, but that'll never come back because that may be nostalgic, yeah. but it's not at all practical. No, no, I, because I agree with you, that. you have to, um, you know, it's a it basically it's a potential bomb because yeah. you build up steam pressure, pressure in a boiler to hundreds <clears> of pounds <throat> of pressure, and you have to put coal in it and get the fire started, and boil the water. It's yeah, a would, tremendous amount of work and maintenance. And I would think it'd take a special person to be able Absolutely. to Absolutely. I mean, you would almost have to have like a retired steam locomotive engineer and those aren't around right. anymore. Right. I'm not to say that somebody couldn't learn, but it, it's just not practical at all. So now we've gone with, a, with a, a train made by Chance Rides out of Wichita, Kansas. It's what just about every zoo or amusement park Park that has a train uses. They're handmade. And again, in Wichita, Kansas, um, they're fabulous trains that you can get them in gasoline, which is what ours is. You can get them in propane. And now they even have an electric one, which okay. is pretty cool. But they're pricey. A, a locomotive is, you can't touch one new for $200,000. Well, I can only and imagine. And coaches are sixty-five dollars to $70,000. So <laughs> it is not cheap. When you um, started this project, I think you had mentioned you'd went several years and just decided you need a break. So yep. how, how long was that, that period that for? That break was about seven years. Um, as I, I didn't have any support really at the time. Every now and then they'd throw me a bone. Um, very little support at all. And I was working weekends then just on, on my weekends. And then the last straw, I guess, is where I had spent one whole weekend, all day Saturday, all day Sunday, replacing a stretch that was about 100 feet long. And unbeknownst to me, the city did decide to replace the trestles, the bridges that Mm -hmm. the train goes over. And they brought in heavy equipment. And instead of laying down mats and just putting, you know, the tracks of the, the backhoe 
you know, to the left and right of my tracks and just running, you know, like that. They didn't set it on top of it, did they? They just pulled it up out of the ground. It took me a whole weekend. And that may not seem like much, but when you're volunteering your time. Yeah, it means everything. Your whole weekend to put in this track and then you come back next time and it's all gone. That was, I was like, okay, I'm done. That's it. Last straw. I wasn't quitting forever, but I was taking a sabbatical until something significant changed. And that took seven years. So seven years. What was that change that brought you back? Well, we apparently, well, not apparently, we did get um, a whole new zoological society. Every single member was different. Now, and can I you explain what that it. society is? Oh, it's a nonprofit, and they are there. They're all volunteers except for the office manager. That's a paid position, but everybody else is a volunteer. And their goal is to promote the, uh, the zoo and raise money for the zoo, not for the city, but for the zoo. So any money they raise goes directly back into the zoo after they pay any expenses. So the funding for the zoo is it's funded and owned by the city of Monroe. Correct. However, the the train is not. Yeah. So the Zoological Society is kind of that helping hand that uh, allows for uh, funds to come. Any money that they raise comes right back into the zoo. Mm -hmm. And like you mentioned, the train is not owned by the city. Correct. Uh, The The right of way is. It's it's complicated. Well, it's not really. Like the zoo, we are responsible for the tracks and the maintenance, the right of way. The zoological society owns, operates, and maintains the train that rides on my tracks. Which means that 100% of the money... outside of their expenses, goes right back in the zoo. Correct. It doesn't go back into the, the city, city general coffers. fund. Right. It's right back into the zoo, right. which is a, a great partnership. And I don't think you probably could do what you guys do without the Zoological Society. It would be difficult, yeah. for sure. I mean, I guess we could, but wouldn't really want to. Yeah. Because they, they help out. Yeah, because if you stepped up and you won the lottery and you want to donate a million dollars, it wouldn't go Well, you know, you probably could, but technically it wouldn't go to the zoo. It would go into the general fund. And then hopefully city council or somebody would decide, hey, Brian wanted to donate a million dollars to the zoo and they'd give it back to the zoo. But they wouldn't have to. Sure. But But if it goes to the zoological society, then yes, it comes back to the zoo. So that partnership is really it kind of works in tandem with the with the city to give the supplement so that we can do cool things within our zoo. Yeah. So. You got a new board. You come back. Um, what year? Yeah, they called me out of the blue. Um, I don't know the exact year. Let's see. My daughter was born in 04, and she was about three, so probably around 2007, 2008, maybe, Did, around you, in there. Were you skeptical when you came back? Oh, or? yeah. They, they called me out of the blue. I didn't know who was on the other end of the phone, but they knew who I was, and they were like, hey, we, we heard you're the train guy. Would you be interested in and renovating the train because we're serious about bringing that back. And yes, I was pretty skeptical. Uh, they invited me to a, a meeting. Um, so I was like, well, I'll come, but I'm ma- making no promises. So I went and well, they had it all itemized, you know, how much they were going to put and invest in each one of these things. Um, a new depot was going to be, you know, $20,000 to get it revitalized. Um, I'm not going to say any names because I'm not sure if this person wants her sure. name used, but um, she's the treasurer now, 
well, maybe already said who that is then. <laughs> but anyway, uh, by the end of the meeting, she wrote a check for twenty thousand dollars. Wow! And I was like, okay, to show to show that commitment. Yeah, they are serious about this, and it, count me in. So, but in my mind, I hadn't been back to the train tracks in seven years. So in my mind, I was almost finished. I was like, I can go back and crank this out. I'll be done in a few months. When I went back, sadly, nothing had been done in seven years. Right. And two years of my work, the first time, couldn't even tell that I'd done it. I literally had to start all over. Did you see any um, increase in volunteers during that time of help? Um, not really. I had a few from time to time. But this time, the society had the ways and the means to support my efforts. So okay. if I needed a dump truck load of rock, you know, they'd get me a dump truck load of rock. If I needed $10,000 worth of railroad ties, they'd get me $10,000 worth of railroad ties. If I needed a special tool, they'd buy me the tool. So they were much more supportive this time. So during this whole time, you were still uh, on air yep. um, working for one of the local uh, TV stations, kind of doing your thing. Yep. So how did that first approach happen where you were pitched the idea of, would you be interested in taking this position? Oh, in the zoo director position? Mm -hmm. Ah, so coming up this August will be four years prior to that, for two years prior to that, um, I'll just say management was in hindsight, probably trying to force me out mm -hmm. uh, and I, I was miserable. I mean, I loved what I did. I loved the viewers. Um, I loved interacting with people outside of my job, but at my job, it was horrible. Um, just taking advantage of me, disrespectful, lied to. I mean, the list just goes on and sure. on. And I, I literally was working six days a week, no holidays off. I mean, I know you can play the little violin, but this is going on now for two years. And well, I mean, also, mind you, I'm a 20 to 25 year veteran. I'm not some new kid right out of college. Right. So my wife and I talked um, on and off for a while. And finally, we got to the point where life's too short. And one day I went to work and the general manager pushed just a little too much. And that was the last straw. And that's not how I wanted to leave, not when I wanted to leave, but I resigned on the spot. It was just too much. So yeah. I actually was was off for about um, a year. Um, okay. I wasn't at the zoo. I volunteered, but I didn't have this position, wasn't at TV. Um, I got back into real estate. Mm -hmm. You know a little bit about that, don't you, Brian? I do, a little bit. <laughs> and so that was starting to pick up. And then um, all of a sudden, uh, uh, was approached from our new mayor and said, hey, I heard you had an interest in helping out at the zoo and maybe being the, the director. And I'm like, yes, sir. And yeah, I'll call you next week. We'll go to lunch. Next week, sure enough, he called. And uh, we went to lunch and I got hired. Well, I figure that with, with all your years of service working within the zoo, you probably had a really good knowledge base overall of kind of how um, the zoo was laid out and kind of some of the inner workings of it. But once you got in that position, was there any one or two things that kind of surprised you on? <laughs> um, yeah, I didn't know about that. Uh, yes. When I got hired, frankly, it was one of the happiest days of my life um, because it just was. I mean, 
everybody was supporting me, it seemed like. Um, you know, social media kind of blew up. I was really flattered. Um, it was it was just great. Um, but then reality began to set in, and, and I discovered red tape. And, you know, I don't deal with the animals on a daily basis. I have people that, that do that. But I have to deal with some of the people. <laughs> and, I mean, overall, yes, of course, I still love it. But it's different than what you might think. I've, I've got like 40, 45 employees. We have hundreds of animals. We have 80 acres. Um, it's a lot. So did it's you have lot. any type of um, management experience, uh, you know, Not really. get, getting yeah, into this? Kind of so. um, learning it as you, you go. But, you know, I've been around the block yeah. a time or two, and I try to treat people the way that I would like to be treated. I know why I'm there to try to get the zoo back on track. Um, and I figure on some level, just applying common sense correct. is going to take care of, of most of the things. So when you got on board at the zoo, I'm sure you had a, a chance to look at, you know, the finances of the zoo. Now, I've been told that a zoo, in most cases, they're a strain on a city's budget. It, zoos are not typically money makers correct. Um, for a municipality. But it's a quality of life investment Correct. that the cities decide they You're want to You're a smart in. guy, Brian. Well, I'm just I trying to do a little bit of homework. <laughs> when um, when you look at kind of where our zoo was when you came in, um, and this is going to be Brian saying it, definitely not you. Mm-hmm. Um, our zoo had been, I think, neglected for many, many years. And, and I don't think it's probably any one person that we can point to a what happened. I think it's just kind of the nature of economics when um, it comes time to spend money, um, roads and schools probably are going to outpace anything that we have at a zoo or the rising of employee wages and retirement and all of that good stuff of managing a city budget. I think less and less or was, I'm not saying less and less taken away, but more and more was not given to be able to maintain at the level that it probably should have been for many years. Correct. <clears throat> but one of the things that my family noticed that after you came in, it wasn't like the next day it happened, but over the past several years, we have noticed steady incre- incremental growth of enhancement to that zoo year over year. And I don't. I, I want to make sure that when we, we finish this podcast today that Everybody in our community knows and understands that it is a privilege for us to have a zoo. Absolutely. Many communities do not. Shreveport is way bigger <clears throat> population center. They don't have a zoo. It is an asset. How many people on average are, are coming through the zoo on an annual basis? I'm glad you asked that question. Going back through the records the best I can, some of them were a little bit incomplete. Uh, but going back about the last 10 or 15 or so years, it appears that the average annual attendance of people actually walking through the front gate was about 60 to 62,000 annually. 60 to 62,000. The first year I was there, we increased that to 69,000, um, which is headed in the right direction. We still had a long ways to go. Sure. Um, but you know, word of mouth can be your best or worst advertiser. And it used to be nothing on social media except negative comments about the zoo. And that really hurts because no one there, no one there is thinking, I'm not, I'm not going to do this. Like 
maybe I approach that a different way. They all care very much. It's very important to them, and they try as hard as they can try. And they're there. You might have not everybody, but I mean, it's it's a twenty four seven three sixty five operation. Um, even if the zoo is closed, say Christmas Day. I still have employees that come because the animals don't know it's Christmas Day. They still have to be cleaned up after. They have to be fed. They have to be watered. They have to check, make sure everything is okay. On the hottest day of the summer, the coldest day of the winter, you know, that that continues. Anyway, so last year, uh, we believe we set a record attendance at 80,000. Oh, wow. And this year, uh, we are running about 8 to 9% above that. So what do you think the train had, had to do with the train came last year, right? Uh, four years ago, actually. Um, okay. It's been that long already. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, four or five years, actually. It, it, I got that going again. Um, yeah. Okay. So the train came before you actually oh, took yeah. the position there. Yes, absolutely. Okay. So I finished the tracks. Um, you know, again, that took me about two years. I can't even describe to you how well, much work that is, but unless so, you came and did it. So that had to have been. A blessing because I don't know that had you gotten a job uh, earlier, you would have been able to finish the the director yeah. job. I wouldn't have been able to personally know. So timing is everything in right. life, right? Yes, absolutely. Um, and then another weird thing is in my downtime or like my dinner break at the TV station, if I didn't go home, um, I would sometimes get on the internet and look for pre-owned locomotives or pre-owned trains. And you know, you could find some every now and then, but it'd be junk. I found one that was fabulous, but it was in Germany. Um, it still would have been feasible to bring it over, but by the time we discussed it yeah. in the society, it, it got sold. And at the same time, I had cancer, and I was going back and forth from Nero to, to Houston. And one day I decided, you know what, I'm going to go way back, you know, keep clicking next, 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 looking for locomotives or a train. And I finally found one. It was just a locomotive, and it was for sale. So one owner, um, they wanted $35,000 for it. And I was like, ah, oh, this has probably been posted, you know, 300 years ago. It's already sold. Nope. It was a, a current ad, and it was in Lufkin, Texas. And every time I went to Houston and back, I went through Lufkin, Texas. It wasn't like it was in Seattle, Washington, right. or in Germany. It was right there two miles off the road. And coming back one time, I was like, man, let's go by and test drive it so I made an appointment and it worked flawlessly so we had an emergency meeting when I got back to Monroe with the society they came up with $35,000 and we bought it so now we had a railroad now we had a locomotive but we didn't have any coaches <laughs> but during that time I was like you know what there's enough room for two people to sit on the locomotive one person to operate it and another one that could ride let's do a little fundraiser you know and have a unique ride so we're going to charge 50 bucks a ride on a Saturday. And do you know, I was the engineer at the time. I never stopped. Every time I'd go out and I'd come Somebody back, there'd waiting. be at least one or two more people waiting. They'd hop on. I'd go again. It takes about 10 minutes, about a mile. And there'd be somebody else. A couple of people rode it twice. Another couple, older couple, came all the way from Winsboro just to ride the train. At the time, they said, no, we didn't really come for the zoo. We just wanted to ride the train. So I don't know. We made $1,000, $1,500, but still, we need more. Sure. So the society, one of the, the guys there wrote a grant um, to the CBB and 
for $150,000 and it, he won or got the grant. So we bought two coaches. So now we, we have an actual train, we have a locomotive and two coaches. So we start taking 40 riders every time. So we had that for about two or three years. And then now jump ahead to when I'm director and I got a call out of the blue from a friend of mine that we had a mutual hobby like 20 years ago. And he calls up and he's like, Tom, he goes, I've, I've been seeing the fundraiser you guys have been trying to do to get an ADA compliant coach has a wheelchair ramp. Yeah. And uh, he goes, uh, I've been talking. I can't give you their names because they want to remain anonymous, which is pretty cool too. Um, and we decided we want to buy that coach. And like, uh, do you know how much it costs? No, but we want to buy it. I'm still giving him an opportunity to back out when it, in safe face. And um, I said, well, it's $75,000 because the ADA compliant coach is even more than the other right. ones. And he's like, okay, well, we still want to buy it. And they cashed out a 401k and donated the money to the society so that we could buy an ADA compliant coach. That was just a couple of years ago. Imagine the uh, kids' lives that have been changed. And I would say adults, too, to be able to go with their kids. Right. Yep. Change now just you, because they can now. Yeah, that was the only thing in the zoo that wasn't ADA compliant. You could virtually go everywhere else if, if you were in a chair. Um, but you couldn't ride the cha- train unless somebody could physically pick, pick you, you up, up out of your chair and put you on right. the, the bench and the coach. And, and that's not really what I you want to do. No. Um, so, yeah, this was, was fabulous. Wow. We think it um, was mm-hmm. perhaps the biggest cash donation Um basically to the city. I mean, it, it went to the society, but sure. it's benefiting the city. Yeah, that's that's just an amazing story to tell. So one of the, uh, so I know that there's been a lot of enhancements since you've been the director. How was all that possible? Um, and, and here's where I'm coming from. You know, we talked about that zoos are typically a financial strain on a city. Mm-hmm. And the zoo got to where it was over time through neglect, probably due to finances of the city. Who knows, actually. How were you able to turn that corner and say, because all the stuff that that you've done since you've been there has costed money. Some of it has. Most of it has, but not all of it. Like, it doesn't really cost money to trim hedges down into a manageable size, for instance. Um, It doesn't really cost money when a school donates 50 azaleas and then wants to plant them. That's an enhancement. So really the community has become invested in our zoo as well. And I think you mentioned this before that Monroe in this area is lucky to have Mm -hmm. a zoo of this size or frankly any size um, because, you know, this is not a huge population center. Alexandra is pretty lucky too. Right. Their zoo is half the size of ours, but they have the same budget. And so, hey, I'll toot their horn. That's a nice a nice zoo. Um, Shreveport doesn't have a zoo. Jackson has a zoo, but I've heard that it's been in a downturn for a while, sadly. Well, speaking of so, Alexandria, it's a good segue into just mentioning this, and I'd like to come back to some of the uh, additional enhancements. But one of the benefits that my family has been able to enjoy is that um, the family membership mm-hmm. that we get. I believe that's through the Zoological Society. Correct. Well, that membership, that annual membership comes with privileges outside of what we can use here in the Monroe Zoo. Uh, 
I believe Alexandria, my kids get in free with that. So when we're traveling, we don't go every month, but I would say four times a year when we're running through Alexandria, something different to do. And they've got a nice place. It's not as large mm-hmm. as ours. Right. But with that same membership, we're able to get into that zoo free of charge. Now, there's some other zoos that it um, you don't get in free, but it offers uh, significant discounts. discounts. Right. So I think it's just absolutely amazing that we can invest locally with a membership that we just keep getting paid back in great dividends by being able to utilize it in other areas. So um, how many, do you have any idea how many annual memberships, Theo? I really don't. But that um, money, when you buy that annual membership, and I don't remember the cost, but I know it's extremely affordable. We we they recently money. increased it to a hundred dollars a year for a family <clears throat> membership. I think that's a family of four. Take that with a grain of salt. You it, have no, to it, check it's a it's, it's a family, family of four for a hundred bucks. That's a bargain. Oh, you know, there's a lot of zoos around that it would cost you that much to get in one time. And so, besides the obvious benefit of saving you money, you can also go any time. You know, like maybe you look at the forecast if you don't have a membership. And there's a chance of rain. You go, well, I don't really want to go because, you know, it might rain. And, you know, if I spend this money and then 30 minutes later it starts raining. And so they don't go. If you got a membership, go. If it starts raining in 30 minutes, all you've lost is maybe the trip to the zoo. And for Uh, those that don't. also jump through the line on big events. In fact, you don't have to stand in line. There's another separate entrance for family or for people that have memberships. And there's almost never a line there. You just pretty much you know show your id show your membership card and you're in and for those that that think well i mean how many times can i actually go to a zoo and see the same animals for us it's splash pad Mm -hmm. our kids get to go to splash pad but even outside of the splash pad i don't know if my kids are are weird or whatever but the combination of splash pad and the playground right there is enough to entertain them for hours and And, it's super cheap like during the summer right now if you're if you, kids are home from school, it, it's a fantastic deal. You pay six bucks currently as an adult to get in, four fifty for kids, two and under are free, and you can stay at the zoo or the splash pad all day long. Yeah. You can't beat that. Oh, I, I completely agree with that. So let's talk about some enhancements that you've uh, brought uh, brought in since being the director. And the most notable are the experience. And I don't know that we really had those experiences in the past. I can't remember. But, I mean, we have the birds where you can get in mm-hmm. and feed. We have the turtles that you mm-hmm. can go. Uh, I think they're tortoises. Tortoises, yes. I don't know what the difference between turtle and tortoise, but I'm sure there is. <laughs> uh, so we have the tortoises that you can actually feed. Uh, and now we have the sloth experience. So That's not started yet, but the sloths but it's coming, are there. Though, right? Yes. Um, it's, it's just taking a little longer than we wanted. As we decided a long time ago, we weren't going to, quote, unquote, force the sloths into um, – that situation. We wanted to train them, so to speak, so that when a keeper came in, that they'd go, ah, it's food. And they would come to us for the enhancement. If they didn't, then we'd be like, well, you know, take a rain check. Right. You don't want to stress the animals. You don't want to force them into doing anything they don't want to do. But being able Uh, to have that idea of knowing that it's going to be probably possible for that to actually take place. Oh, it will. I I know there's a lot of zoos that do it, and it makes huge revenue. But to sit back and look at what you're doing to um, these uh, the kids of our futures, the ones that um, 
have that sense of uh, of science or love of animals so that you can actually kind of reinforce <clears throat> and help them along that path with it, I think is just just great. Uh, you'd mentioned that community involvement is crucial to the success of what you have. So not only coming and uh, being patrons and taking advantage of the beauty it has, but also rolling up their sleeves and coming in and um, help on work days. So tell me how you are able to get the community involved and what can the community do to actually help you? Oh, wow. Um, you know, we get groups all the time, civic organizations, uh, church groups. I mean, the list goes on and on and on. Girl Scouts, Boy Scouts, um, fraternities, sororities. All, obviously, this, this and, needs to be planned. You don't want yes. just like a Huge groups show up and yeah. like, oh, what do we do? Yeah, a, a little bit of advance notice is, is good. But when those bigger groups, you know, if we get 20, 30, 40, 50 people, yeah, we really do need to have some advance notice so we can be ready with staff. We can't just turn them loose. Sure. It has to be at least a little bit of supervision there. Um, that's donation of time, and that's always good. But there are a lot of people and groups that donate material, which is also fantastic, or just cash. Um and, of course, that's great. Oh, and labor as well. I do have to give a shout-out to uh, Washita Electric. I don't know if you allow that or yeah, not. Yeah, absolutely. But, no, no, um, I want to – Golly, they're one of our biggest advocates as far as local businesses are concerned. And I cannot tell you how much material and labor and expertise they have donated to the zoo. We, we couldn't have done a lot of that stuff without them. So you know, that's my hat's really off to them. One of the reasons and a that, lot of other folks, I, I shouldn't, you know, they're they're more Atmos has donated sure. uh, thousands of dollars to us. Entergy uh, helps out, um, you know, with some labor and, and whatnot. And the list goes on and on. Uh, it's really amazing. In fact, um, I think the mayor asked me not long ago, you know, since you've been there, how much, you know, has been donated? And I'm like, well, just in cash alone. It's around $200,000. Wow. And then if you figure in materials and labor, uh, I wouldn't even know three, four hundred thousand probably. And yeah, that's a I, huge help to us. I never have the problem of singing someone's praises if they're donating and giving back to our community. You know, one of the reasons that we started this podcast is that society as a whole, a lot of times they, they people gravitate to the negative mm -hmm. that's out there. It's easier to do. Every... Every source of media, you can find the negative if you want to. Right. But sometimes it's hard to find the positive. So I want to highlight the people, the places, things, the entrepreneurs. So if that electric company is doing something great for our community, I want our community to know about it because the people who are investing in our community is going to be the same people that help continue to push our community forward. Uh, you, I don't believe that you could do what you're able to do at the zoo without the support of the nonprofit without the support of the community to be able to come in. You probably could do it, but you wouldn't do it on the level that you're doing it right now. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I mean, it's been a tremendous help. And the society has been able to do what they can do, I feel like, because of the train, and they've revamped um, the gift shop. So if you go to the gift shop, any money that you spend there, that profit stays. They own and operate the gift shop as okay. well. Okay, fantastic. And once upon a time, they did the same thing for the cafe. Um, then they decided they didn't want to do that. So that's another thing I've got to do now <laughs> is the cafe is now run by the zoo. So I have to have employees and make sure we have – 
you know, a good menu. And that seems to be doing well, too. In fact, um, gosh, we have combo meals and, and oh, whatnot. Goodness. So I'm trying to make it a place that you might want to come and, and hang out and probably put up some speakers, getting some plants out there, trying to get some new furniture out there, new signage. Um, and the food's not bad, especially for zoo food. And I think sure. it's priced pretty fairly. Um, so, again, that's just another way to enhance your experience and, and help support the zoo. So what's next out there for you guys? I know the ah. mayor just recently um, – uh, did a big rollout for Parks and Rec for mm-hmm. the the city, and I have not had a chance to look at the uh, the master plan. I've seen a couple of photos, but I haven't dive, have dived into the master plan to kind of see all the details. But share with us kind of where your vision is, where the city's vision is for the zoo, and what we're going to probably be seeing over the next several months. Next several months. Or years Um, ahead. Yeah, I might go a little bit more than that. Um, Two things, really. One is already now finally in the works. We've had a delay after delay, but about two years ago, two and a half years ago now, the CBB, the mm-hmm. uh, or Discover Monroe, West Monroe, the Convention of Visitors Bureau, uh, we applied for with the help of uh, Miss Alana, the the president. Um, she just called me one day and said, "Hey, you know, maybe you ought to apply for a grant." I'm like, "Huh? I didn't know anything about it." And like, she goes, "It's due in two weeks." I'm like, "I don't know anything about it. I'll help you." So we collaborated, and I was able to to get this little grant put together. Um, and it turned out they approved it for $400,000 to revamp our Louisiana Purchase Exhibit because that's in our name, for one. There's no other zoo in the country that we're aware of that does anything for the Louisiana Purchase. And if you're not familiar, the Louisiana Purchase Exhibit area of our zoo, the only animals that you're going to find in there are animals that are native to the original Louisiana Purchase purchase. Okay. Um, so are they exotic? No, not really, you know, but they're still pretty cool animals to look at. And I would so, venture to say that many people have never laid eyes on several of those animals, um, like a up coyote close. or, yeah. 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 We've got some bobcats, um, bald eagles, bison, you know, a, a pretty good range of uh, animals there. So that was two and a half years ago. And then delay after delay, COVID is in there. Now it was, it, it was approved to go out to bid, but it was jacked up to a million dollars because of all the price increases. We only got back one bid and he wanted three and a half million. I'm like, well, that's not going to happen because right. we only have a million, million two. Uh, <laughs> so went back to the drawing boards nobody on the team had ever seen this before. And we actually hired an award-winning architect out of Little Rock, been in business 30 years. He had never seen anything like it. Nobody in engineering in the city had seen anything like it. So it took some more work, some help from the police jury. They chunked in some more money and we got the project out to bid again. Uh, Coming up this week, as a matter of fact, it's going to go out for 30 days. And now I think the cost is around $2 million. But within that will come a permanent home for our beaver, a permanent home for our otters. So those will be brand new exhibits, uh, new exhibits for some turtles and some alligators. And the coolest thing to me will be a very large lagoon. Now, we haven't had this before, and we're going to put about 20 or so small alligators in there, maybe two, three, four footers. And you'll be able to go out on this platform that overhangs the water, and you'll be able to purchase some food. And then it'll be, you know, like dry 
dog food right. and throw that out into the lagoon and watch the alligators come up and, and eat it. So well, I think that'll be uh, awesome. Yep, yeah, I think that'll be neat. Um, so hopefully somebody will will bid and make a reasonable bid, hopefully someone local, and we'll get this uh, underway. Uh, the other thing that's on the radar, um, gosh, and I know some people have pretty deep pockets around here, but really, really, really want to bring back giraffes. We had giraffes once upon a time. Our giraffe barn is now derelict. It's 50 years old. It, we, it's not even worth trying to repair. And because of that, we can't comfortably house the giraffes during winter. We could get giraffes, but we don't have any place to keep them comfortable in the winter. Right. So we need probably two, $300,000, build a new giraffe barn. We'll get giraffes. And of course, along with that, will come giraffe encounters. So once again, you'll be able to purchase, you know, maybe a three or four leaves of lettuce and go actually feed the giraffe and be like as close to the giraffe or closer than you and I are right now and and that's another cool experience that everybody um, enjoys and another way to uh, generate a little bit of revenue for the zoo for other projects well i think it's uh, fantastic uh, the direction you guys are going uh, i f- see it as a continued upward trajectory um with everybody's help y- yeah so if you if, don't visit that doesn't help just no, come out I, and check it out i agree so the if people want to get in if a civic group wants to get involved to schedule um, a time to be able to give you guys, mm-hmm. how, how would they reach out? And just call the main number, 329-2400, 329-2400. Operators are standing yeah. by. Call now. And we'll, we'll make sure all the this. next five minutes we'll give you a free bet. Yeah, and uh, when you do that, then just ask for me, and we'll get it set up. I'm I'm there Monday through Friday generally, so 8 to 4. So, so time is seven needed. 7 to 4. Money is needed. Um, materials sometimes depending on what we're doing. Yep. So I'm not ever afraid for that big ask. So if somebody here is listening or watching this and they want to just write a check to say, Hey, we want to go ahead and get drafts back next year. We we want to be a team effort. You know, if somebody around, they don't have, you know, that's an incredible amount of money to me and probably to you, but to other people, it's not that big a deal, Sure. but maybe they know somebody and make a challenge and say, Hey, I'm, chip in 50 if you do 50 and then absolutely before you know it you've got the money so if there were, were groups or an individual that wanted to dedicate money just to that project mm-hmm. would the zoological society you yes. know, be okay with that absolutely okay yep. fantastic yep. Fantastic. we definitely um could do that or a you know a fundraiser we've tossed that around a little bit as well um you know like silent auction and a band and you know that kind of thing like an after hours event um, that's kind of been touch and go, um, but yeah, we're we're up for any of that. So let's talk about events. I know that, um, and I, I will tell you that I'm not up to date on any events. If you guys are having special events, mm-hmm. um, I know around Easter. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's Eggs, a massive, yeah, massive. If event. the weather's nice, we'll have two, three thousand people. There. Yeah, it was. Yeah. I've been a couple of times. I took my daughter when it, she it was, was young. It was fun, but I just the amount of people that showed up was amazing for that. What kind of events do you do? You know, if we, there are any events that are planned throughout the rest of the year? Yes, extravaganza is usually the weekend before Easter, um, and then we also have um, uh, shoot. I've had a senior moment here. Uh, our event during uh, Halloween, okay, and that's a big fundraiser as well. That's always fun. That's typically the Saturday before Halloween. And then a new one that we've started a few years ago with the help of uh, Jeff Guerrero. He's the sponsor, and that's our um, Jungle Bells. 
And typically on that, now don't hold me to it. This is what we've done in the past. Doesn't necessarily mean it will continue. Sure. But he has allowed people to come in for free, and then he pays the the balance. Wow. So that's pretty cool. And like I'm his sure that helps birth, out. birthday, his Christmas present to the community. Oh, fantastic. Um, what's the one thing that you would like the um, people that are watching this today to walk away with knowing about uh, Louisiana Purchase Garden Zoo? What, what's the one takeaway? Wow. Um, yeah, we, we know it's been in bad shape in the past. We still have work to do, for sure. We know there's still problems, especially with a lot of the buildings that are old. I mean, they're 50 years old, haven't had the maintenance that they needed. So we're trying to take care of that while at the same time we make improvements and bring in new exhibits and new encounters and things like that. So just know that we are all can't wait to keep heading in the right direction. And uh, we hope the community supports us because I think, as we said earlier, uh, we're lucky, you know, being in, in northeast Louisiana to have a zoo. In fact, according to the CVB, Convention and Visitors Bureau, the zoo is the most visited venue in northeast Louisiana. Wow. So we want to keep it that way and have people keep coming in and supporting us. Yeah, and, and I would also venture to say that um, tell your friends and family that may not live here. Mm-hmm. I mean, the zoo it's an econ- has an economic impact for people traveling here. Absolutely. They have to stop and eat at our restaurants. They may stay in our hotels. Correct. Um, buy gas. Buy maybe. gas, yeah. shop in our, our local boutiques that we mm-hmm. may have. Mm-hmm. So there's a lot that we have to offer in Northeast Louisiana. Mm-hmm. And I think that we are very lucky to be able to have the zoo. And I think us in the community really appreciate the efforts that we've seen since you've been director. And I know it's not just you. You couldn't do it Correct. without the team yeah. that you have working right with you, the nonprofit that comes alongside of you, the support from the administration now that believes in economic growth for our area. So And sometimes you gotta spend money to make money, but that, I'll throw this in too. In the past, when you said, you know, zoos can be a drain on on you know municipalities, um, I'm not really into the politics and, sure. and all that kind of stuff, but it's my understanding that in the past the zoo has a a budget that's over a million dollars, but it would still have to be subsidized anywhere from 300, 400, 500,000 out of the general fund to keep it going. If it had been a privately owned zoo, it would have failed a long time right. ago, sadly. Um, but n- my goal, one of my first goals, I was like, man, I want to, I want to at least be able to break even. And last year is my understanding that we almost did that. I think it only had to be like $40,000 Wow. put in to keep it, you know, at, at the break even. So since we're running about eight or 9% higher attendance this year than last, we may get to that point. And of course, if possible, I'd like to exceed that, but that was my original goal. And we're hoping the inflation is not going yeah. to uh, squash that idea. Yeah. But I think it's great that you have that mindset that um, knowing that it's these things have been drains on cities before, but to have your team rally behind, let's see if we can make this place self-sustaining. Mm-hmm. Because when we get to that point, we've got just that much more pride in the place because we're Correct. generating more yeah. revenue. We got more people coming in town right. to visit it, right. which means that we're going to have future growth. And right. what that growth looks like could be different than it is right now, but we know that we're we're going positive with it. Right, it's an asset to our community. And Tom, I really appreciate what your team does to uh, support our community. They're hard workers, and again, you know, they're out there 
every day. You know, in the spring and the fall, you, you, a lot of folks that work inside go, man, I wish I had a job I could work outside. But then come the rainy, cold days of winter and the sweltering days oh, like yeah. we've had in the summer, you know, man, I'm glad I have an air-conditioned <laughs> job inside. But guess what? My staff, they're, they're yeah. outside in the cold and the rain and the sleet and the hot, um, taking care of the animals and, and making sure the zoo is as good as it can be. Well, I think they're doing an amazing job of just watching the growth of the past couple of years and can't wait to see um, how things turn out down the road. Tom, I really appreciate you coming in, giving us Thanks your time. Thanks so to, much for the invite, Brian. Yeah, just, it. it's um, the zoo we're so fortunate to have in it, and we appreciate everything you guys are doing for us. Thank you. Appreciate it. It means a lot. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you for taking the time to watch or listen to this podcast. We really appreciate your involvement. Please leave us a comment or even better yet, subscribe to this podcast and hit that notification bell so that you can be alerted for every new episode when it hits.